Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I'm your host, Trilificent. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. If you want additional content from me and my squad, or you just want to support the show and Flawless Noises Media Network, subscribe to the Flawless Noises Patreon. It's patreon.com slash flawless noises. Or you can buy some merch. Gay Side Story shirts are available. So go to flawlessnoises.com slash store and pick something up. And now let's start the show. I have a very special international guest this week. (laughs) I have plus size style and lifestyle blogger and freelance journalist Stephanie Yeboa. Thank you for joining the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm excited to have this conversation. Like I was just saying before we started, I was very inspired by the story that you told on Twitter about basically Mm -hmm. being tricked in dating, but we'll get to that a little later. So I was like, Oh man, it would be nice to do this. So I reached out and was like, well, I'm going to use your story for inspiration. I'm going to use your at name. Is that okay? She's like, Oh yeah, of course. And I was (laughs) like, well, actually, (laughs) <laughs> if you I'm wanted to on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was like I mean since I pulled up <laughs> but yeah so uh, I'm glad that we were able to do this and I'm again very honored that you accepted the invitation and that we get to have this conversation oh my gosh yeah no definitely no problem at all I think it's it's one of these uh conversations that I feel really needs to be spoken about sort of in the open forum because I think situations like mine aren't rare like it happens all the time within our community so I'm kind of happy that I'm able to sort of talk about it and raise awareness about it I agree. I agree. So let's get there. But first, let's pass through the queer query segment. Question. First question. What's a bad movie that you can't help but love? (laughs) Okay, so I was thinking about this. I've been thinking about this question for like a solid like five hours because there are so many bad movies that I love. But I'm going to have to say, (laughs) I'm going to have to say, I actually, there is a really soft spot in my heart for glitter. Because I know, I know. Do you know what it is? It's because it's so bad that I actually find it quite entertaining. So there was a point where I would put it on, um, I would put the movie on sort of as background noise when I was working and things like that. And then... The movie soundtrack, I love. Like, I absolutely love the songs on that soundtrack. So it kind of drew me in. And then I actually watched it for the storyline. And I was like, yeah, this is really bad. But it's funny how bad it is. And so it's one of these movies I can just watch again and again. And just, like, it's a comedy for me. Like, it's just (laughs) hilariously bad. Um, all right hopefully the lamely won't come for you on that (laughs) no i think it's oh my god i've never seen it but the universal or most of the feedback has been that's not that great but that the soundtrack goes off and i think one of my favorite mariah carey songs is on that soundtrack 
is never yeah. too never too far is on that soundtrack right yes yeah. never too far slaps like i love that song so much that was the song that pulled me into the album <clears throat> and i was like okay let me watch the movie like the movie is bad like, i i wouldn't suggest watching it because it's not a comedy but i find it hilarious <laughs> just because mariah carey and her foreheads just like take up the whole screen and it's just terrible but it's entertaining Gotcha. Um, <laughs> I've said this multiple times on the show before, so it shouldn't be a surprise to longtime listeners that one of my favorite awful movies is uh, Mortal Kombat. Ah, oh, I've never seen Mortal Kombat before. I've oh. played it, but I've never seen that. The movie leaves quite a bit to be desired. Really? And then there's a sequel called Annihilation that's even worse. <laughs> Have you seen that one? Yeah, it, that's my second <laughs> answer. Oh my god, they're both bad. But I will if they're if if I'm flipping through channels and I see it's on like one of those weird macho guy all action all the time channels, I will watch it. I yeah. do have the DVDs. Every now and then, I'll pop them in. Be like, you know what? I just want to see some really terrible <laughs> everything: <laughs> acting, costume oh, wow. design, location, sets. Everything was awful. The script, everything. But it's entertaining, like you said. So I, I will watch. Yeah. Maybe it's like oh, a gosh, tie so to tragic. my right. <laughs> Maybe it's like a tie <laughs> to my childhood because I grew up playing Mortal Kombat and everything. Although now it's a little advanced. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I used to play it when I was a child as well. And then I, and then I stopped playing it for a while. And then I would sometimes watch people play it on YouTube. And there's like, I don't know if it's the latest update, but there's one that's just so graphic. And I'm just like, nah, mm-hmm. I can't is. do this. I can't. Like people are like pulling hearts out through their assholes. And I'm just like, wow, what yeah. part of the game is this? What is this? <laughs> yeah. 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 I agree with that. So, next question. When are you at your happiest? Oh, um... I'm at my happiest when I am... I guess when I'm practicing self-care. So, I know it seems really sort of on-trend and bandwagony to talk about self-care, but it really is something that is important to me and I think should be important to a lot of people because I think... Um, in the society that we are in at the moment, we have this sort of weird fascination with being on our grind and being on our hustle, which is great. But when you kind of mix that with social media, people often feel this <clears throat> this uh, this need to constantly be on their grind and not sleep and all of this stuff. And it can be quite detrimental to health. So I'm very much a fan of taking time out and practicing self-care and so what I normally tend to do is um at the moment I'm playing Breath of the Wild and I'm just so happy at the moment like I'm just going through the quests and you know it's such a great game so I love video games so I think I'm happiest at the moment when I'm playing video games and watching Martin reruns (laughs) (laughs) I love Martin Martin so much oh my gosh I love it because I follow um chef risha on twitter Mm. and 
I've been following her for like 10 years and she was the one that introduced me to it. And then I just found like a random link online and watched every single um, episode um, with the exception of season five. I, I was going to say that as <laughs> Yeah. Season five, season five is a bit of a miss for me, but all the other seasons are really good. And so sometimes I'll have that on in the background while I'm playing video games and it's just like such a Zen moment for me. Come through Martin and Risha, bring in, <laughs> bring in international blacks together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I would say one moment when I'm at my happiest is when I get into bed to rest at night mm-hmm. and I'm really not, well, <clears throat> and I don't realize how tired I am until my body hits the bed mm-hmm. and then I think why am I so tired and I, and I go back and it's like uh I've had a really productive day to the point where I didn't even realize how much that I had accomplished mm-hmm. then it makes me happy it makes me sleep a little bit better thinking okay I, I accomplished everything I wanted to do today or I accomplished a lot i think back and I'm like man I went to this store and I did this and I picked this up and I put this and I cooked this and I did this and I did this and it's like wow I didn't even realize I did all that so I just feel (coughs) fulfilled and it's important to me because as someone who struggles with depression and lack of desire to do things lack of interest to have a day where I can look back and say good job you did good yeah it's so important isn't it I think Um, Because I suffer from depression as well. And sometimes it's just like you have those days when you just don't want to do anything. And so at the end of the day, when your body is just feeling like lead and you just get into like a warm, soft bed and you can just think about what you've accomplished that day. It's such a it's such a great feeling. It's so good. (laughs) No, I can definitely relate there. Now, granted. There may be a conversation to be had that <laughs> feels like the only time I feel fulfilled is when I my body expresses exhaustion because <laughs> I'm not really keeping up with it as I go. But that's a different conversation. Probably yeah. I should have with a licensed therapist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, last question. What's the worst job you've ever had? Oh, um... The worst job, okay, so the worst job I've ever had, I think, would be um, a couple of years ago, I was working as a marketing assistant for a law firm, Mm -hmm. and um, the job itself was fine, but the, it was the first time I'd ever been in a, in a environment that was very white, very, very white and uh, very corporate. And I'm very much a creative and uh, with the things that I do outside of work, which is like writing and photography and all of these other things, it was a very um, difficult atmosphere to be in, um, being the only black person at this small white law firm. We went through the daily rituals of these uh, women trying to touch my hair and you know, somebody, one of the girls saying that she said something about Africa and it was just so, it was just absolutely ridiculous that I actually had to go to HR because I was just like, I can't remember what it was, but it was terrible. Like loads of misguided comments about my ethnicity and, you know, um, 
I had braids in one day and then the next day I had like a wig or something on and they were like oh my god how did that happen like is your hair that long and I was just like no it's not and um, it was just a very racially hostile environment full of microaggressions as per usual and um yeah it was just it was horrible like I'd never all the jobs that I'd been in beforehand had always been very multicultural um because being in London it's it's uh with the exception of the city of London most jobs and most places are really multicultural in terms of you know how they hire and things so because I was working in like the financial district which was very corporate and you know it was just yeah it was really horrible I hated it and um yeah it was just I'd never experienced that much racial microaggression before in real life it was just weird yeah I can definitely understand (laughs) that um let's see I feel like I may have talked a little bit about this I'm gonna give the abridged version but one of my worst jobs was at this one engineering firm and I was in a department for the most part full of women Mm-hmm. which I've been in before. I didn't even think about it. But from my first day, I kid you not, there were women, brown women <laughs> at that, mm-hmm. that were basically picking with me. Like for some reason, they got it into their heads that I was there to work for them. And oh wow, I needed to do what they say. And I needed to do my work and their work, even though I was hired to do the opposite side of their work that they don't make time to do. Wow. And so they wanted me to do the outgoing stuff and help them with the incoming stuff. Mind you, it was four of them and one of me. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That sounds terrible. (laughs) You don't even know the half of it. So basically, it was so bad that it escalated to the point where we had to have a mediator from HR come and talk to (laughs) And it was so crazy because it was, they left one of the ladies out, one of the black ladies. So it was me, the other uh, black person, an older black woman, and then the two brown women. Uh, I think they're both of Latin descent. I think. Um, so we'll say they're both lab necks. And they were the mm-hmm. ones that had the issue, specifically the older one. For whatever reason, like they wanted to come to work and not actually do any work. They expected right. me to do all the work while they sit around jaw jacking and walking <laughs> around being useless and worthless. And <laughs> I wasn't with that because I'm like, I don't get paid to do two jobs. I get paid to do one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And none That's of my paperwork said that I work for any of y'all. So you don't get to dictate what my tasks are. Exactly. And so we got all the way to this mediation and then they got cowardly because the mediator was like, okay, the floor is open. Who wants to start? Nobody had anything to say. So I, you know me, I jumped in because I'm like, <laughs> you got a problem with me? Let's let's air it out. I was like, well, I feel like everybody <laughs> got a problem with me because X, Y, Z. And basically the result of that meeting was our lead, our department manager and the mediator all agreed with me. Mm-hmm. And so they were even more upset. <laughs> and because I'm a little bit of a troll, I realized how upset that they were getting in the meeting. It's, well, I take that back. The older woman, she doubled down. The younger Hispanic woman 
when she saw how things went, she abandoned ship. <laughs> <laughs> but the older of one, course. I could see her over there, like grinding her teeth, like Mars from The Simpsons when that lady was hitting on Homer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's one of my favorite episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm a troll, so I was like, oh, well. I just want to say that everything that was aired out, let's leave it on the table. Let's not take it back with us so that we can work together and da 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 da. Because I knew she wasn't going to do that. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> and, love that. And lo and behold, we went back to our working environment and she wouldn't speak to me. She was very abrupt and everything. She was just highly upset. And I was just like, I mean. That's what that's you get. Problem. That's what that's you get for not minding your business. <laughs> exactly. That's her own personal problem, and she has to deal with it. It's got nothing to do with you, you yeah. know. Yeah. And that was only one incident <clears throat> at that particular oh, job. So I'll end it by saying this: when I left that job, I was probably the most stressed I have ever been in my life, to the point where I could feel the physical markers of the stress manifesting itself mm-hmm. i went to get a massage when i was in between jobs for like a week because i was like i need to give myself a little break let me take a little week off in between these jobs yeah and i went to get a massage and a lady was like um what have you been doing <laughs> she's like your upper back and your neck she's like you need to come back every day <laughs> i was like jesus and I couldn't even be mad because I'm like, yeah, it is pretty bad because I, even I could feel it. So I know someone trained to feel those things on on a person's body. You know, she was mm. like, um, she's like, do we need to call somebody? Because <laughs> <laughs> coincidentally, oh I believe goodness. she was Latinx, too. So it all comes full circle. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it gets to a point where when it starts when the stresses of a job start affecting you physically, that's when it's time to bounce. Cause it's just like, is it worth it? Like Absolutely. my, my physical and emotional, you know, well-being is not worth, you know, coming in and, and being stressed. And, you know, even for me, like regardless of how much, you know, the wage is, I don't think like at this point I could go back to sacrificing, you know, physical or emotional um, well-being for that. I agree with that. Yeah. Because if something happens to you, they are just going to replace you. It's it floats around the internet a lot, but it's true. <laughs> it's so true. It is so true. Like it it was even like at a point when I used to work um cuz now I'm self-employed, but back before when I used to uh, when I was an employee, I um I I've always had this thing with taking days off, like taking vacation days. I've just never, I feel really, um, even though I know that I deserve it and it's part of my, you know, my job description and that everyone gets a certain amount of days off a year, I always felt really weird about taking them because I had that responsibility where I was like, I need to be on call 24-7 or people are relying on me and things like that. And even when I was ill, I would still go into work sick because I always had this... um, overwhelming responsibility to always be seen as um reliable and then it wasn't until like one of my colleagues was like Steph like if you were to die tomorrow they'll just replace you they don't give a damn at all and I was like you know what you're right you're right I need to chill out and just like take advantage of the fact that I've got you know such and such days available or you know I'm sick and it's true work 
you know, they will just find somebody else in a minute. And sometimes it's not worth sacrificing, you know, all of this uh, trauma for that, you know? Yep. So take care of yourself. And I know not everyone is in a position to be able to say, oh, you know, my job is stressing me. Let me just go find a new one. But if you can, you know, do what you can, do what you can, because they don't care. They don't care. This it's not like how it was when our parents and grandparents were working and these companies felt like family and they took care of each other and all that. Now it's all about the bottom line and you will get replaced. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they really don't care. But anyway, that's gonna wrap up this segment. So now let's get into the main topic. So DWF dating while fat. So Mm -hmm. as I alluded to during the introduction, this topic was inspired by a experience that you had and you tweeted about. Um, I don't know if we mentioned it before, but her Twitter handle is nerd about town. I believe that's your Instagram too, right? It is. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get into that experience in a bit, but let's just start with some general stuff. So based on your description, like I said, on Twitter and whatnot, you obviously self-identify as plus size. So Mm -hmm. talk about the journey you've had or that you've been on to becoming a, in your words, fat acceptance advocate. Yeah, of course. So, um... I was always very, very insecure about how I looked and my weight. Um, and I think a lot of other, you know, people who are plus size or who who don't feel comfortable in their bodies can relate with that. And um, when I went to secondary school, which I think, I'm not sure what you guys call it in America. Is it, I don't think it's high school. It's below high school. Is it grammar school? Middle school. Middle school, yeah, I think middle school. So from the age of about 11 to 16, um, I was in secondary school and I was getting bullied really badly by this group of guys who were in the grade above me. And it was a group of five guys. And because I was very, very quiet and very timid and things like that, I never told anybody that I was getting bullied. And so it kind of continued for five years. um, And it was mostly physical. So... um, they would beat me up and you know break bones and when we would be in like um chemistry class they would throw acid at me and you know they went on to do yeah they went on to do really really horrible horrible things um telling me that you know when I get older I'm always going to be alone because I'm fat and you know the usual fat jokes and things like that so when I finished school I was I was diagnosed with depression um when I was 14 and all I thought about was just, you know, changing myself, changing how I looked. Um, I got into very, very deep, dark depression and sort of turned to self-harm and things like that. And it was just a really low period of my life. And then um, when did the change happen? So I want to say 2013. I, um, so I'd finished university and everything. And um, I was at a point where I was like, okay, Um, I'd been on every single diet that you could ever think of. Like I'd been doing detoxes. I just, you know, wanted to change how I looked because I thought, you know, at this point I had 
never had a boyfriend I'd never had anyone like me I couldn't find the clothes that I wanted to wear so I was like okay I need to change I need to change and I hated myself and so 2013 um I it was my birthday and I thought to myself okay I'm going to go to Barcelona to see my uncle who lives there um for a beach holiday and so I thought okay well in order to go to the beach I need to have a beach body so four months before my birthday I decided to go on a diet and it was it was so dangerous like I did some pretty dangerous things that included sort of you know um trigger warning by the way um throwing up after I eat Mm -hmm. um I was taking diet pills that I'd ordered from like Russian websites like really dangerous stuff um fasting for long periods of time and I ended up losing a hundred and 25 pounds I want to say and um I had the beach body so I you know my stomach was flatter and I had curves in the quote-unquote right places and all of that those things Mm -hmm. and then I went to Barcelona I had the beach body but mentally I was all over the place I still wasn't happy um I started seeing flaws in other places. Um, I just, I felt absolutely disgusting, even though, you know, I think it hit home that I had done so much to abuse my body in order to get it to a state where people thought it was acceptable, that it really messed with my psyche. And I started to think, are these the depths? Are these the lengths that I'm willing to go to in order to get the approval of people that I don't know? Like, All my body has done up until this point is try and keep me alive, regardless and despite all of the abuse and harm that I've caused it. I need to start respecting my body instead of damaging it because all it has done is keep me alive. And that was the turning point for me because I was like, okay, so I can lose all this weight, but mentally I'm still in the same place that I was. Mentally I was still fat, you know what I mean? And and then the year after that, I went to, um, I came to New York for a month um this was the first time that I've ever been to America and um I went to New York and um I was on my own and it was just the most I had the most amazing time um I was staying in Harlem and um there were a group of women in the apartments below me and they were all plus size and this is around the time that plus size blogging started to uh get more popular so there were loads of sort of plus size bloggers and things like that and um, I would see them every morning um, when I left the house and they were so confident. They were wearing the most like amazing outfits and they were just really confident and unapologetic in their bodies. And I was just like, it's just so easy. Like it just clicks with them. Why can I not do the same for me? Mm-hmm, so then right. I, I was I was so, so inspired. And so I came back to the UK and I was like by this time I'd already had my blog but I was doing like lifestyle and beauty bits and I was like you know what I love fashion so much and I want to show off you know the stuff that I wear so I decided to incorporate fashion into my blog and start um asking like like family members to take like full-length pictures of me and so that's kind of how it started so I started introducing fashion into my blog and then I also use my blog as a platform to talk about my journey with loving myself and and loving my body and and 
getting that confidence and so it's sort of been an online diary for me and so as I guess um, my blogging began to get noticed a lot more mm-hmm. um, I started talking a lot about the ways in which plus size women are treated in society and I think especially plus size black women the way in which we're treated in society is just horrible and I could see it a lot here in the UK as well like it's just it's absolutely disgusting and so I made it a point for me to be very vocal on these things because it's you know all well and good me doing like fashion and being a like a fashion blogger and doing all of these things but we're still not getting the representation that I think we deserve because even within the body positivity community and all of these you know inclusive communities there's still a standard of beauty that needs to be adhered to in order to be in order to have that visibility and that standard of beauty still is white um, flat stomach high cheekbones and very very pretty and you know there is no correct way to be fat basically and so I'm kind of here to just talk about it and you know open up these conversations so that people know that you know there is a subsection of a community that is still treated really badly and you know if people can open their eyes and have a conversation about it then hopefully in the years to come we can start to see a bit more of a positive change yep so i'm glad that you took your time and you really (coughs) broke it down step by step because Mm -hmm. i think it's important to highlight that these journeys unfortunately are usually lengthy yeah and it's not typical to have a day or have a morning where you wake up and you have this epiphany and your entire life changes and then the next day you are a brand new butterfly you just Mm -hmm. emerge from a cocoon that like it doesn't happen overnight so I'm glad that you really laid out that whole thing all the way back to what we call middle school. So sixth grade, mm-hmm. 10, 11, 12 years old on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's um it's really important to sort of stress that, you know, if you are on a journey to self-love or to being at um, a higher place with your body, that it's not a linear journey and you know, it's, there will be times when you don't love yourself or you don't love an aspect of your personality or your body. And like, still today, like I, I would say I'm a lot more confident than I was, you know, years and years ago. But there are days still where I look in the mirror and I'm just like, actually, I don't like that. And I think it's important to recognise those things because I don't want it to be a case of people thinking that, oh, this person is a body positivity advocate or activist or this person talks a lot about it. So therefore, they must be 100% secure in their body. But the truth is, is that nobody's 100% secure in their bodies because we're human and we're always going to find fault with something. And, you know, because that's sort of, it's a thing that's been perpetuated predominantly by sort of Western media and things like that. So we're always going to find something wrong. And it's okay to not, love yourself 100% of the time like it's fine as long as you can acknowledge that and sort of make a note to deal with it at a time that you feel comfortable then it's all good yeah I think something important that you mentioned just now is that we have to remember that oftentimes advocates are advocating for themselves in addition to everyone else so I think it's very important that you said that you don't always 
feel great about yourself you don't always love yourself you struggle still because as an advocate you are still advocating for yourself definitely definitely so that's important exactly and i think with like with me that was the whole reason why i started um my blog is that it's also it's kind of like a love letter to myself as well and um it's a part of it's a process of me trying to get to a point where I can be a lot more confident um, and positive about my body and it's great that I've been able to sort of inspire and talk to so many women around the world as well but also I have to remember that I'm I have to be doing it for me as well and not just for everybody else and so it's been like one of the most amazing journeys I've ever been on mm-hmm. so you mentioned it a little bit Natalie. <clears throat> about visibility so how do you handle mm-hmm. the highs and the lows of visibility as a plus-size dark-skinned black woman well <laughs> i use my platform to basically just rant and talk and talk and talk until people listen so um i don't know what the climate is like in the u.s but in the uk with the visibility not only in the media and things like that but within like the plus size community and blogging and you know influences and things like that um because there is still this um there is still this standard of beauty black plus size women are always on the bottom rung of any ladder like it's just it's absolutely ridiculous and so um unfortunately it's one of these things where people don't tend to listen to us unless it's coming out of the unless it's coming out of the mouth of somebody that is a lot more privileged. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's quite, it's, it's, it's a work in progress. It is really difficult, but I like to think that I, um, I try and use my platform again as a journalist as well to write about these issues. So I've written a few articles in the past that have been on, um, that have been on Elle magazine and things like that about, plus size darker women and why we are not given the representation that we need because it was plus size black women that helped create the plus size uh, that helped create the body positivity community and it's weird that a lot, a lot of people don't know this because again we have no visibility but it was black plus size women specifically in america who did um help found that community but now we've kind of been marginalized um so it's just a case of just trying to be as loud and as unapologetic as possible at the moment. It's London Fashion Week here and I plan on showing up and showing out and showing that, you know, you know, black women, black plus size women, we deserve to have a space here as well. And um, I'm always encouraging um, uh, young women here, young black plus size women, you know, if they if it's something that they want to do to just carve out your little space on the internet and just take up space. I think that's the most important thing that I want to stress is that if you do have a platform or if you do have something that you want to say or get off your chest, take up that space and we need to sort of stop making ourselves smaller for other people's um, satisfaction because we are as worthy and as deserving as everyone else. And at the moment, I'm so happy that you know, we've got people like Lizzo, who is, she's just like, she's absolutely amazing. I love her so much. And she's, you know, she's on all of these nighttime shows and performing and doing all of these things. And then 
I think, was it yesterday I saw this trailer for this new movie with Octavia Spencer called Ma? Yeah. And it's like we're getting a black plus size woman who is not playing. Now, I get that she's kind of playing the mammy role, but it's very insidious. And it's, you know, she's playing an actual villain who is you know, seems multifaceted, you know, she's not just playing the sassy best friend or she's not playing the man-hungry, um, hyper-sexualized fat woman. She's actually playing a character in a horror movie, an actual villain with some layers and some depths. And, you know, this is the first time I've ever seen a, a black plus-size woman as a proper villain in a horror. And as a horror fan, this I can't wait for the movie to come out. And I just wish that we could have this much visibility on an an ongoing normal basis so basically you just kind of keep going basically yeah yeah just keep going through the bad Mm -hmm. just keep pushing which is pretty much the mantra for most marginalized groups especially (laughs) ones of color we just kind of keep going we don't we don't stop we don't give up we are survivors exactly exactly we just keep going until somebody listens to us (laughs) so let's get into specific experiences Uh uh-huh so start off with some good experiences that you've had dating while fat and then we'll get into the (laughs) controversy (laughs) good experiences oh let me think let me think um so this is really depressing but i have not had with the exception of like the one relationship that i've ever had in my life which Mm -hmm. was absolutely great um and uh i'm still like trying to get over that breakup um but i've only ever had one relationship um which was amazing and that was a great experience and it was very um it was during the time when I was still sort of on my journey to self-love and, you know, we met on Plenty of Fish of all places. And um, I actually ignored him for about two weeks because I just didn't believe that he liked me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a long time to 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 tell myself that actually this guy likes you um, in a non-fetishy way. You know, he likes your body, he likes your personality. And so... Yeah, it took me a long time to come to terms with that. And um, that was a great relationship. Um, we kind of lived together and traveled together. And um, it was always a, it was always very interesting because obviously I'm this, you know, five foot seven fat black woman. And he was this six foot five white guy. And very like, he looked like Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. Like he was very, very handsome. And so a part of it was just like, I can't believe that this very, very conventionally attractive guy is going out with someone that looks like me. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just weird going out in public because you'll see people, like even though the UK, you know, we have a very high interracial dating rate. I think one of the highest, if not the highest in Europe, um, it's it's absolutely high. Um, but when we would go out, like the staring was just ridiculous. And people would come up and say how lucky I was to be with him and oh, wow. all of this other trash. I know it was just ridiculous. But um, yeah, that was the one good experience that I've had. And then after that, it kind of just went downhill, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing I want to <laughs> highlight real quick in that is how critical it is to have someone's 
say the things that you're saying about not having a lot of good experiences and that's Mm -hmm. even in spite of your visibility and all of the things that you have going on because I've talked about this a little bit before but a lot of times when people ask me similar questions about my experiences and I say okay well I don't have a lot I you know have had this I've had this and it's always oh I don't believe that because xyz and it's like okay but you're my friend or you're somebody that finds Mm -hmm. me attractive so of course you're not going to believe it but it also is a slap in the face because it's like you ask my experience and I tell you and then you immediately start invalidating it yeah and you think that you're right and you think that you're doing me some sort of a favor that you're giving me a compliment but it's a backhanded compliment if I tell you my experiences have been meh maybe not Mm -hmm. all bad but I don't have a lot of good ones to tell either just for you to turn around and immediately be like, well, you're so handsome. Like, I don't get it. Or even worse is are the assumptions like, oh, well, you just need to go out and talk to people. You need to do this. You need to do that. And it's like the only oh thing gosh, you yeah. asked me was <laughs> what was my experiences like? And because I have a negative experience that I'm telling you mm-hmm. about, it could have been something recent. Your immediate thought is. Or if I say I don't have a lot, your immediate thought is, oh, well, you must be holed up and can't nobody get contact. And it's just like, OK, but you didn't ask me what I do. You asked my experience. Mm-hmm. So it's so annoying when people do that. Like, I, I completely get where you're coming from. And it's just like I'm trying to share with you something that, you know, whether it's a traumatic experience or whether it's a horrible experience. But yet yeah, you're invalidating what I'm trying to say. And then yeah. you assume that it's because of this that or the third but yeah it's just so horrible when people do that i don't like it at all and i just recently had this on twitter i was tweeting something or maybe i was replying to something and it was another uh bigger guy and we were just kind of like yeah you know we don't really have these types of experiences don't be telling people that just because they don't have good dating experiences that they must not be doing xyz and they need to go outside and somebody um reply back and was like oh i do this and it's like yeah you need to think deeper and yeah, not just say oh you know what i'm saying because it's just like i don't know people have the and i think a lot of people don't even realize that they do it which is even worse mm-hmm. but i think a lot of people they look at fat people or they were fat at one point and they immediately think that everyone does what they do so either they all automatically assume that heavyset people hardly ever leave the house and all they do is sit at home and eat or mm-hmm. that's how they were when they were heavier. And so they project that onto everyone else. And it's like, my experiences are my experiences. You don't have to try to pick them apart and make it fit into a box in order for you to understand it. <clears throat> Except what I say. Yeah. <laughs> it just strikes me that sometimes I feel like people that are in a privileged position don't like to be told when they're privileged. Mm. Or they don't like to... They don't want to accept that the reason that we might be in a position where we have negative experiences is to do with people that may look like them or that may have the advantages that we don't. So they'll instantly try and invalidate our feelings and blame us as opposed to blaming society in the same sort of patriarchal society or or whatever kind of box that they fit in. Um, They will try and blame the individual as opposed to 
actually saying, actually, do you know what? These are your feelings and I'm so sorry that this happened to you. We really need to do better as a society or, you know, women, we really need to do better or men, we really need to do better. Instead of sort of calling out those people, they want to sort of impose it on us as as us being the problem, which is not always the case. Like sometimes, nope. you know, there are specific there are specific um communities or people that have it a bit harder when it comes to dating than others and you know it's not fine but those need to be respected and it needs to be you know it shouldn't be invalidated just because you think well maybe it's you know it's been easier for them it doesn't mean that our experience will will be the same yeah and another thing on that is not every as you said not every fat person is seen the same way because there are acceptable levels of fat Mm -hmm. there are the thick versus fat wars you know what I'm saying (laughs) like for women you know we know that quote unquote fat is usually just a very curvy woman that is not a size zero yeah like someone they're like oh yeah she she plus size because even in modeling like plus size is is very small i mean considering right yeah it's like a, it starts at like a, a u.s size uh eight i think mm-hmm. or something like that it yeah it's not young. i don't know for sure but it's not very high and it's just like okay but that's like a regular woman's size <laughs> like the average woman size is considered plus size and it's like eh, are the scales tipped but <laughs> to close out what what i was saying it could be as simple as just asking for the parameters of what the person is saying versus making assumptions. So if you go to mm-hmm. a person and you say, and it doesn't have to be a fat person, it could be a femme, a uh, gay man, it could be, I don't know, whatever other minority. And and you if the conversation comes around and you're like, what are your dating experiences like? And they tell you, that they've mostly had negative or it just hasn't been good or they just don't have the experience then maybe ask the questions okay so where do you meet people what do you do what do you blah 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 instead of just being like well you just need to take your ass outside and talk to people like you can't meet nobody behind the screen and it's just like it's 2019 like can we please stop this like exactly we have whole stories of people meeting and falling in love and having all kinds of children and and businesses on the internet so number Mm -hmm. one we need to stop with this stigma that there's something wrong with meeting people quote-unquote behind a screen but number two stop assuming that just because someone has bad experiences that that must mean that they don't get out of the house because if we're gonna be honest about that all of y'all who say that you getting out the house and your experiences are bad too so what's What's, exactly what is the truth beloved <laughs> <laughs> because from what you're saying if i go outside i'm gonna have the experiences you having but you miserable too you just skinny and miserable so <laughs> help me understand exactly. it's so true it's just like let's let's just like make it make sense like let's exactly just be, like you know depressed together and like miserable together but right. don't try we should be commiserating me down <laughs> it doesn't make any sense whatsoever it's ridiculous okay so let's get into the the big thing um and talk about your recent bad experience that you relayed on the internet um okay so 
I was I so I'm on um Bumble mm-hmm. and um so um for those that don't know, Bumble is like this it's similar to Tinder but the women speak first. And um Ooh, hallelujah. I uh, yeah, I know it's and do you know what? The quality well, with the exception of this guy, the quality of men on Bumble is really good. Mm. Um so I thought I'd join it and um I struck up a conversation with this guy and he seemed to be really nice, like a really, really lovely guy. Um, it was the first date or the first sort of person that I'd spoken to since my breakup um, two years ago. <clears throat> so I was going into it feeling very wary and just very hyper alert for fuckboys. Like I was very like my blinkers were on. I was just like, I'm not giving anyone the time of day. And so I started speaking to this guy on Bumble. And then we then um, exchanged numbers and started talking on WhatsApp. And he was a very, you know, grounded, down to earth, intelligent guy. There wasn't anything questionable or suspicious that I noticed about him. Um, we decided to meet up um, on a date and we went on the first date again like the first date was great like he made me feel very comfortable Um, I was very very nervous because it was like the first time I'd gone out for a couple of years with somebody and so um, yeah I was just really nervous and excited and all of these things and so we met up and was great we went we went for dinner and went for a couple of drinks and that and that kind of stuff and so we decided to um go for a second date um which was about like 10 days later and so in between the time of us going on the first date and the second date we were talking all the time so there was always that sort of communication there and you know telling jokes and all of that stuff and having banter and things and again he seemed like a normal guy and uh so of the second date now this is probably where I went wrong but um again because I'm not used to the dating life I was just like I just saw no harm in it at the time but essentially for the second date he came over to my apartment and I was planning to cook and we were gonna watch Netflix and literally chill that's what I thought was going to happen obviously that didn't happen one thing led to another and we slept together fine and then I didn't hear from him um sort of after Christmas and I thought to myself oh okay so he literally just wanted to do that and he's you know pissed off that's fine I didn't really think anything of it at the time so I deleted his number and like deleted all of his contacts and stuff and I just kind of went about my business and eventually I forgot about him um and then it wasn't until last week I (laughs) received an email quite late at night um from this guy who claimed to be his friend um now when I was reading the email, I remembered that on our first date, the guy had told me that he had told his friends about me because obviously I told him what I do. Um, I told him that I'm a blogger and a journalist and things like that. So he's seen my blog. And so he said that he showed his blog to his friends. So when I was reading the email, my first thought was, how the hell did this guy get my email address? And then I remembered that was probably the connection. Um, so I, I'm reading this email now. And it's um, from the guy's friend and he says, you know, I'm so sorry to have to do this. And I know that this email is out of the blue, but I really need to get something off my chest. Um, And the reason that you haven't heard from this guy since you guys hooked up 
was because we were doing a little joke and we dared him to sleep with the fat girl and um he won the bet and he won 300 pounds which is probably like 650 dollars or something um and the reason that i felt I needed to tell you was because I just felt really guilty and something similar happened to a female friend of mine and she's really really upset and I remembered that we'd done this to you and you know you have a really good blog and you know I just thought that I needed to basically absolve himself of the whole situation um, and it was just a really long email just saying that he deeply regrets it and that he's very sorry um, and my first thought was just, first of all, I didn't, I don't even remember this guy. Like it was like a one-time thing, fair enough. And then <clears throat> I felt really, really humiliated and I went to sleep and then I woke up the next day and I read it again. And then I think that's when it, the shock kind of set in and I just burst out crying. I was just like, wow. So you know, this guy literally just went out with me for money and for clout to his friends. And it made me feel really, really uh, subhuman almost. Um, and later on during the day, um, I decided to tweet about it because I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Um, this is something that I think needs to be spoken about because it's not the first time that this has happened to somebody within, you know, the plus size community. And so, that was when I chose to share it on Twitter because I remember on Twitter um, a few days, sorry, a few months ago, I actually tweeted like a selfie of me going on that date. Mm. And so I thought I so, and so I linked the tweet just to give like an update and um, yeah. And then, and then it kind of just, it blew up, which I wasn't expecting because the majority of people that I follow on Twitter are mostly within like the body positivity plus size community. And so, mm -hmm. Because it's such a regular thing that happens, I was just expecting people to be like, oh, yeah, this happened to me too, this happened to me too, and not expecting it to be as viral as it went. So, um, yeah, it kind of blew up, and then there was so much backlash from that. Um, so I had to kind of dip from social media for a few days because right. it, it got really bad, and then there was like a whole thread on me on lipstick alley and i was just like this is just too much and so um yeah i dipped for a bit but now i'm sort of back and i'm you know i've spoken to the people at bumble and they've contacted me and they said that they've blocked him now from like all of their apps so that's really good but yeah the whole thing was just horrible absolutely horrible yeah so a couple of things about <coughs> this because I definitely saw a little bit of the aftermath. I'm I, sometimes I'm aware of things, but I'm not. And it doesn't matter. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> one of the things that really stood out to me was that immediately when you tweeted this out and it started to get some traction, that people were saying, "Oh, was well, she lying? She lying? She lying?" And I just thought, yeah. "Wow." Yeah. Here's another example of a woman, a black woman, and a plus size woman. Let's get all of your intersections, at least the, the mm -hmm. main ones, because I know that there are more because we're complex mm -hmm. onions. We have layers, like Shrek said. <laughs> but I was just like, what is it about, I don't know, society, Twitter, what it, where it's like a woman 
is never believed. Like, why would you mm-hmm. automatically assume that this is a lie just because it seems unbelievable to you? And I saw people going back and forth. I even saw a few tweets from my friend Candace, and she was just like, even if she was lying, the fact that y'all are sitting here acting like men don't treat plus size women, especially black ones, like trash literally every day. Mm-hmm. is wild like mm-hmm. how is it that you see women treated badly and you see the advocacy for plus size women all the time and you can hear this story and automatically think oh she must be lying it's like yeah, what do you get it, out of lying about this because that's and that's the thing that is the main thing i was really really confused and i think the backlash was so much so that because um, i wrote an article that accompanied it as well and I was actually told by the editor that I couldn't put his name in for, for um, legal reasons, which was fine. But then it got to a point where I was getting so much hate from people that I actually uploaded the email, um, the initial email that I got. So it was a, it was a pure, you know, raw screenshot. Um, and then my friend called me like 20 minutes later and she, cause she's a lawyer and she was like, Steph, take that down because if something happens, like you don't want to be implicated in this. So I took the email down because it had gotten to that. And I, I feel like I shouldn't have had to do that, but, um, it got to a point where it was so bad. And I think to be completely honest with you, the thing that really, really, really upset me was that the bulk of the hate that I was getting was from black people, um, Mm -hmm. but specifically African-Americans. So it was actually a lot of my Twitter faves, a lot of people that I've been following on Twitter from like black Twitter for years who I saw um, were saying such horrible things. So a lot of the things I was seeing was, you know, oh, the guy was white, so I don't feel sorry for her. She shouldn't have gone out with the white guy. And I'm just like, okay, so you're trying to say that black men aren't fatphobic you're trying to say that black men don't treat fat black women like shit um obviously this is not an all men you know and it's not it doesn't apply to every man but especially like in the uk like fat black women are not approached by black men at all like they would prefer to go out with fat white women over here mm. we are kind over of over here left too in the dust. Is it, is it the same over there as well? You haven't seen all of the memes and jokes about uh, how <laughs> skinny black dudes are always with fat white women? No, I haven't. Oh, yes. I haven't. Oh, oh, oh yeah, God. that's here too. <laughs> it's just, and it's ridiculous. And so, you know, it really hurt that it was sort of people that I look up to or people that I've followed for the longest time sort of making memes and jokes out of it. And I just thought... You know, the lengths that people are going to to discredit black women, mm-hmm. it just made me feel it It made me feel really horrible. You know, people saying that I was lying, people just assuming that, you know, black men aren't capable of pulling pranks like this. And, you know, I can't speak for, you know, African-American men, but, you know, black men in the UK are definitely capable of doing it. When I was in middle school, it was black boys that were bullying me and beating me up and calling me all of these names and it's definitely a sentiment that a lot of plus size women in the UK can resonate with in terms of not feeling desired or not feeling wanted by fellow black men and that whole that whole um uh, I guess conversation about black men and black women and fat black women like I've always actively avoided it because it's always been a thing where I don't really know how to phrase it but 
like for me personally I've never been approached by a black man I've never been chatted up I've never been um wanted or or anything like that and it's similar to what you said earlier in that anytime I would express that people would say oh well you're not going out or you know you're not putting yourself in the right um in the right uh environment to meet guys and you're not doing this and you're not doing that and it's just like well no that's not the case because I always go out it's not that it's just they prefer to go out with white women so yeah it was just the weirdest thing and it it was definitely disappointing seeing you know some of the comments that I did see from people that I follow and um their reactions and them not being mm. sympathetic because the guy that I did date was white and yeah, yeah it was that just was a lot really crazy to me and I saw kind of a analyzation of a tweet that kind of went both ways because the person the way that they worded the tweet kind of <laughs> left it um open-ended to a degree so uh-huh. it's like on one hand I saw people like yeah like he was white what did she expect blah 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 like you know these white people are devils and (laughs) then on the other hand i saw the same a different interpretation of the same tweet where they were like yeah like i don't know why y'all think that this is exclusive to black men like white white men treat fat black women like trash too but just the whole thing blowing up and immediately digs the immediate digs into like your credibility and i just mm-hmm. I, I, something that i've just been noticing more and more over the last few years is like marginalized groups when something happens to us and we speak about it we're almost always immediately kind of put on trial for our own trauma yeah because yes. if you think about yes. it when black men let me rephrase when cishet black men mm-hmm. open up and they say something you don't see a lot of things about oh they lying and how can we believe them and people digging into their past and trying to find a way to discredit them because of something they tweeted in 2010 but exactly. let, let that black man be gay let him be lgbt let it be a, a black woman let it be a black woman that's LGBT or plus size. Then it's like we uh-huh. have to fight against the experience and what happened to us. And then we also have to fight against all of the naysayers who automatically are like, nope, you black and you gay, you must be lying. Nope, you a woman and you fat, you must be lying. Nope, you black and XYZ, you must be lying. So yes. seeing that happen to you, I was just like, again, if someone's lying, like where are the receipts? Like I'm trying to figure out how is everyone Professor X out in this bitch? Everybody knows everything. <laughs> you know everything that happened. You use Cerebro to not only go into somebody's head to see what happened, but you get got a visual representation, a replay of the thing, and you know exactly what happened and what you say goes. They are lying. You know everything. How do we get there? How? How are we getting there? And it why? Was... <laughs> what benefit does that present to anyone? Because exactly. even if you were lying, let me say this. <laughs> even if you were lying, I'm not going to be quick to be like, oh, you a liar on the internet because you black. I'm like, we got to have some kind of solidarity. <laughs> like, especially, yeah. this is trash to say, but I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> especially <laughs> if you were lying on a white man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
like they should have been rallying against you whether you were lying or not like you lying on a white man like i'm like that's so true if that's not gonna bring us together then what is (laughs) no you've hit the nail on the head like it's so true and and you know when when the whole thing was happening I went through a stage of um I was quite quiet because I was blocking people and as I was blocking people I was making I was making like a mental note of the types of people who were you know saying all of this abuse and it was just so funny that it was you know again it was like predominantly um black men and then like obviously white men and then like um some um white women as well and I saw this on Twitter like a couple months ago I can't remember who tweeted it but somebody said that um <laughs> like straight black men are like the white women of our community or something like that it was something hilarious like that and I was just like ah yeah I can kind of see I could kind of see where they're coming from in that sometimes I don't know I just feel like like you said if it was a black man that had gone or a straight black man that had gone through something you know really traumatic because you know, underlining this, it was a very traumatic thing for me to have to experience. I feel like because of the way in which black men are uh, depicted in society, you know, always as the villains or, you know, they're the ones that are always getting shot or killed by police. So, you know, it's, it's automatic in us as a society or as a community, sorry, to rally up against black men because, you know, we want to protect our black men. We want to make sure that their voices are heard. We don't want them to have to always have or subscribe to that hyper-masculine, you know, kind of identity. You know, we're very, very protective of black men, especially black women. But then when it comes to men that aren't straight or if it comes to black women or plus size black women or you know somebody that doesn't subscribe to what society or black society sees as normal Mm -hmm. when we're talking about our trauma then suddenly it's you know they're calling us females instead of women or they're calling us it becomes very dehumanizing after a while or suddenly we're lying or suddenly we're doing this for clout and it's just like and I said this on Twitter, and I know it sounds very arrogant of me to say, but I had to go there. I was just like, I, I don't need the clout because I already have clout for the work that I do Talk on my day to day. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be, I don't need to have any more visibility because I've got, you know, I've got articles in Vogue and L already for shit that I've done. I don't need this. Talk. I would never, no you know. I, I had to go there. I really did because I was just like, I'm tired of people thinking that I'm lying to get to get some sort of uh attention like i had to log off because i didn't like the attention like it's uh it was just so overwhelming like i've never um i've never received that much you know online attention before but you know i have to be honest as well along with the negative there was a lot of love that i got as well there was a lot of a huge outpouring of support and um love from people you know both in america and the uk and other places around the world as well where people were also sharing their stories about this happening to them and surprise surprise the emails that I got a lot were from black plus size women saying that this had happened to them but not white men black men and so I was just like huh Mm -hmm. I see it's okay so that's the gag like it was just crazy and um yeah I do think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done sort of within our community regardless of you know the diaspora or where we're based just in terms of supporting our 
own and supporting people in our communities that aren't just the, you know, cishet people of the world, like people that come from all different backgrounds and sexualities and weights and things like that. Like we all need to kind of support our own and come together and stop all of this sort of interracial bickering or you, do you know what I mean? Like yeah, it was, it was a dis- diaspora and whatnot. Y- yes, exactly. So I'm glad you said that. So let's wrap the conversation up with <clears throat> that. Uh, besides the support, how else do you think that dating while fat can get better? From the outside um, and the inside, let's say. Um, I think from the inside, I think, again, I think it's just a case of getting to a point as plus size people or as fat people where we can be confident enough to know that we deserve better and to not accept scraps from people um, and to not settle as well. Because I think a lot of plus size people, we tend to settle sometimes because we tend to assume that, you know, this is the best that we're going to get. So you know, I might as well just go for this guy that's been, you know, in prison eight times and is on trial for arson or something like that. Like, we we tend to, I guess, lower our standards because we feel like we are the low standards, so we might as well opt for trash. And I think it's a case of just empowering ourselves and knowing that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're um, 200 pounds, 250 pounds, 300 pounds, whatever the case may be, you still deserve to be here and you're still deserving of the same love and respect that everybody else is worthy of regardless of regardless of if you are healthy or unhealthy or whatever the case may be you are deserving of that love and to just have those standards when you are going out into the dating game and I think from an external point of view I think it's important to um educate society on the fact that you know plus size women are not just here or plus size men you know plus size people in general we're we're not here for your sexual fetish gratification you know because a lot of us do get fetishized or ignored and things like that and I think there just needs to be that conversation opened about the fact that there is a lot of abuse that goes on um, with plus size people because we aren't seen as human we're not seen as the the same as everybody else and so if people can start treating us like um multifaceted human beings that can be successful and not just you know the best friend or the unfortunate best friend that's lucky in love or you know the mammy or whatever the case may be when they start seeing us as human beings then hopefully you know people men women whoever can start to see us as us as opposed to oh look it's a person in a fat body yuck disgusting they can actually see us as successful people who are doing things with our lives and who are confident in ourselves yeah so i'll punctuate that by saying we are more than our fatness and that should not need to be said but (coughs) we will reiterate as necessary so true so that I think is a good first step to an improvement for dating and really just life in general for plus size people, for others to see that we are more than just whatever weight that you feel is so unattractive on us or in general. Because sometimes, like I said, mm-hmm. it's it's that blanket stuff that you see on Twitter. Like if you more than if you were female and you more.
more than 125 pounds. You a fat cow. You need not to eat until <laughs> Christmas. And it's like, okay. And then you turn around and you see a thread where it's like women 200 pounds post. And you see all these shapely, fine women. And it's like, y'all don't actually yeah. know anything about weight. <laughs> you don't know about distribution of fat. <laughs> exactly like y'all don't know anything so please be quiet and stop trying to limit our worth to what the scale says exactly it's so right it's so so true well that wraps up what i think was an amazing conversation it was so interesting to hear these different points of view not only from the cis hit woman's standpoint but also from a uk standpoint i'm always mm-hmm. curious to see how things are different and how they are the same for black people in other parts of the world so i'm glad that we were able to do that and i want to thank you again for agreeing to be on the show and to for regaling us with the tales that you (laughs) have and the experiences i think is very important to highlight these things so tell people where they can find you oh thank you so much thank you so much for having me on the show and i hope that it can go away as well to um opening up this this really important conversation on the way in which you know plus size people are treated um so i am on twitter and instagram at nerd about town and my website is nerdabouttown.com nice all right you guys check it out show some love <laughs> thank you so that's that on that another show in the books real quick before we get out of here chime in if you have thoughts on what you've heard sound off use the hashtag gay side pod when you're live tweeting or posting about the show As a brief reminder, you can listen to this show on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, countless others, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Send in any gay side mail to gaysidestories at gmail.com. And that can be letters, compliments, show topic ideas, stories, pitches for being on the show, If you want me to be on your show, send all of that stuff to GaySideStories at gmail.com. Take a moment to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating. And if you really love what I'm doing here, write a review. That's how people find us. And despite how Apple treats that podcast app, it is still the biggest hub for podcasts. And we want to be seen. With all that being said, thank you so much for listening. And as always, make sure you're sharing this podcast with others. I appreciate the likes, but reposting and resharing could potentially turn into a new listener. Remember, you can also find me on Ratchet Ramblings with Jeremy and Candace discussing black reality TV shows and being probably offensive, but it's all in good fun. Lastly... I say this all the time and I mean it. Love yourself and whether you're top, bottom, verse, however you identify, protect your walls or they will crumble. You do not want to be out here with walls like ancient ruins and I'm out. See you guys when I see you.